Hi, and welcome to the Frugal Debt-Free Life podcast. I'm your host, Lydia Sen, and eight years ago, my husband and I paid off all of our debts. It was a hard fight, but we fought it together. And now I like to have frank and honest money discussions because life, like money, is messy and it rarely fits inside of a cash envelope. So if you're ready for a grace-filled money discussion, this is your place. Hello, today we're going to be talking about student loans. So yesterday, the White House released information on student loan forgiveness. This is something that many people had anticipated. It is something that impacts all of us directly or indirectly. And so I'm going to talk about all of that information today. This isn't going to be an opinion piece. This is simply going to be me giving you the information so that you can know what process you need to take next if you still have revolving student loans. My husband and I paid off all of our student loans. I say our, they were his, but when you marry someone, you marry their debt and we're a partnership. And so they became ours and we paid them all off in 2014. That was actually the last debt we paid. And I have a picture of my husband standing in the kitchen of our rental house, holding our oldest son on his hip while he called Sally Mae to make that last payment. It was a Monday. By the way, we still had to pay interest on the two days it took them to process our payment, which I find hilarious. They were going to get every dime they could out of the Sin family. But even though we have our loans paid off, this still impacts us because we are taxpayers. And so we all need to know and be educated as to what's going on. I have strong feelings about college tuition, particularly now that I am going back to school and paying my own tuition. I think that college is needlessly expensive. And that may be where we need to focus our intentions. But as far as this situation. I just, I know that there are a lot of emotions and opinions on both sides, but it really does fall into the, oh my gosh, I have enough going on to have the mental bandwidth, to have an internal or external debate on my feelings around student loan forgiveness. So anyway, let's talk about what is officially being called the Biden-Harrison administration student debt relief plan. I put this information on Instagram initially right after the news broke, but before the press conference and good golly God, y'all had a lot of questions, which is good. As Emily's Wonder Lab says, stay curious and keep exploring. But initially the student loan moratorium, the repayment pause, which went into effect in March of 2020, you know, it kept getting extended and it had gotten extended to August 31st. So next week, if you're listening to this, when it drops, Now that has been pushed back one final time, they emphasize final time through December 31st. So that means student loan repayments go into effect January 1st. So now you know, plan accordingly. Okay, so this is what the plan entails. So like I said, it's the final extension of the student loan pause. So January 1st, 2023, if you have federal student loans your payments will start back. You don't need to do anything. Um, There is no extended pause that's going to occur. Your payments should resume automatically. The interest over the last two years has not accrued. So your payments should, if you've not made any extra payments, it should be what it was prior to the pandemic relief. Now we will 
circle back to that in a minute because we do have some more information. So part two of the plan, they're calling it providing targeted relief to low and middle income families. So basically what this means is if you have a a loan through the U.S. Department of Education, if you have a Pell Grant, Pell Grant, P-E-L-L, you may be eligible for up to $20,000 in debt cancellation and up to $10,000 if you had a non-Pell Grant. So that means a federally backed student loan that's not a Pell Grant, you can get up to $10,000 forgiven. There are income stipulations for this. So if you are single, filing single, and you make less than $125,000, you can qualify. Or if you're married, filing jointly, or head of household, at $250,000, you you may be eligible. So there are those income limits of one twenty-five dollars if you're single and two hundred and fifty dollars for a household. In addition to that, if you're employed by a nonprofit, military, federal, state, tribal, or local government, there are some other things that you may be eligible for, like the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. That's not new. That's been around for a while, and it is littered with problems. I talked about that in my last student loan podcast you can go back and listen to, but that that program, people will think that they've qualified and then they do all the paperwork and find out they haven't, or they think they've qualified because they were told they qualified and then they quit making payments. And then the PSLF is like, haha, just kidding. It's, it's been bad. So what is up to 20,000 or up to $10,000 mean? What do you have to do to qualify for this? Well, what that means is if you owe $8,000, and you meet the qualifications, you're under $125,000 take-home pay, the $8,000 would be what you received. If you owe $27,000 and you're eligible for $10,000, you're going to receive $10,000 and then you'll have to pay the other $17,000. So it's just based on what you currently owe and then you will have to pay what is left over. So your relief is capped based on what the outstanding debt is. So if you only owe $2,500, that's all you'll get in relief. Okay, so how do you know if you're eligible? What do you have to do? So about 8 million borrowers will be eligible automatically because of the, the income data and everything else that they already have on file with the Department of Education. So if... The Department of Education doesn't have your income data or it's changed. There will be an application that you can fill out and more information will be available on that. Also, the website to fill out the application is going to be available before December 31st. So you're not going to get stuck in this gap where you are uncertain. You know, I know those of you who've had student loans, you've probably felt a lot of uncertainty over the last two and a half years, but you'll just know your eligibility prior to that December 31st cutoff date. You can sign up and go to the U.S. Department of Education's subscription page and sign up to get a notification for that. And I'll try to leave a link in the show notes, 
but I'm being honest with you, I am recording this podcast between my math class and my criminology class, and so I may forget, and if I do, just Google Department of Education subscription page, and it will show up for you. So for those of you who maybe aren't eligible for this, or you have more than $10,000, there are some things that are going to be coming down the pipeline that are going to make it easier for you to pay off those loans. So there are already income-based repayment plans, but they are proposing new rules that would make it make those minimum payments less expensive every month. So they would be capped at 5% of their discretionary income. So what discretionary income means is after you pay your taxes, but it also means after you pay your basic necessities like housing, food, shelter, well, you said shelter, (laughs) clothing, like your basic needs, but it's going to cap it at 5%. Right now it's 10%. My initial question was, is that helpful considering that the interest still accrues, but there's a provision for that. As long as you are making payments on those income-based repayments, your account will not continue to accrue interest because right now the interest is compounded. And so if you're only making a 10% payment, that interest continues to accrue every single day. They've also lowered the amount of time it takes for your loans to be automatically forgiven. So right now on federal student loans, they're forgiven after 20 years. So if you haven't paid your full balance after 20 or 25 years of consistent payments, your student loans are automatically forgiven. However, you do have to pay income tax because that forgiveness is considered earned income. So right now they're going to be, or with this new plan, they're going to be forgiving the balances after 10 years instead of 20 if you owe less than $12,000. However, I don't know if that's still going to be considered earned income. So here are some interesting numbers that I found doing some research. So we talked about how people who have a Pell Grant can receive up to $20,000 in forgiveness. Roughly one-third of undergrads receive a Pell Grant, and Pell Grants are for people who are below a certain income. So in the presidential briefing, sorry, my brain just buffered for a second there. Um, They did say that 90% of the funds would go to people who make less than $70,000 a year. Another question that I got over and over again was from people who said, well, I've been making payments this whole time, or I just paid off my student loans, or I just made an extra payment since the student loan pause began in March 2020. Well, guess what? You may actually qualify for a refund from your servicer. In fact, the U.S. Department of Education's federal student aid website says, and I'm going to read it to you, you can get a refund for any payment, including auto debit payments, you make during the payment pause beginning March 13th, 2020. So if this applies to you, you can call your service provider or contact them in some way and request that that money be refunded back to you. So yeah, that's it. That's really all of the information that I have at this point. Stay tuned, keep your ears open, Take the time to learn because like I said, this does impact all of us. Even if you don't have student loans, if you're a taxpayer, this impacts you. 
I do not know how this impacts people who will take out student loans in the future. I do not know how this impacts people who are still in school or maybe just started or people who are taking out student loans. One of the things that they said they were going to do is reduce the cost of college by, quote, holding schools accountable when they hike up prices. But it didn't really talk about how they were going to do that. It's nice in theory because we can look at the data over time and see that as student loans have become more available, the cost of tuition has increased. And when you know that you're going to have a steady stream of income via taxpayers, then you're not likely to cap those costs. And so what exactly is going to be done to cap those prices? That's what I want to know both for myself and my children, should they seek out higher education in the future. And to put some things into context for you, so those um, who are 25 years and under will make up 21% of those getting relief. Those between the ages of 26 and 39 make up 44%, and more than a third of borrowers are over the age of 40 including 5% who are senior citizens. I'm assuming that's people who went back to school later in life, but you never know. Okay, so I hope this was helpful. It felt super disorganized, and I apologize for that if it was all over the place, but I wanted to get this information to you. I would love to connect with you. Thank you for listening. So you can find me on Instagram at Lydia Sin and YouTube Lydia Sin. Also, you can find me at frugaldebtfreelife.com backslash podcast, where you will hear this and every single episode. And it would really mean a lot to me if you would leave a review. So it's free to do. You can subscribe if you haven't already and swipe over the artwork if you're listening on Spotify or Apple podcast and leave a review. That is how people find the show. And I really want this to be helpful a helpful podcast that encourages you to keep going to not quit informs you maybe inspires you a little maybe makes you laugh maybe makes you feel better because it's the hot mess express but anyway thank you i appreciate you and i will talk to you soon Bye.